Brother John, Sister Kim, amen, and uh, I love the presence of the Lord. Feels good to just be in the presence of the Lord, amen, and uh, it's great to see everyone here tonight, and uh, we're going to uh, look into the word of the Lord. I want to, I want to kind of uh, spend a little more time on what we discussed last week, and uh, we're, we're in the middle of talking about overcoming fear and overcoming death. And uh, we're, we're doing that because of the fact that we're currently in a season uh, in our, in our uh, American culture of people celebrating fear and celebrating death, uh, ghosts and goblins and, and uh, skeletons and, and skulls and all kinds of things. And, uh, and people are just excited about being afraid. For a little while, and I saw a store called the Spirit of Halloween. I thought, how appropriate! And um, and so, but but anyway, I, I just want to talk about the fact that uh, fear and death are, of course, as we spoke of them, are spirits. And uh, fear is a spirit, and, and death is a spirit. Uh, you'll you'll remember the Bible actually refers to the angel of death, and uh, and so we want to we want to discuss that and talk about that. Uh, last week we spoke uh, uh, on the matter of overcoming fear, and we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that again tonight. Uh, I just want to bring out some things, kind of recap what we talked about, and and then uh, and move a little further into it to bring some understanding uh, concerning uh, overcoming fear. Of course, uh, we will also be speaking to the subject of overcoming death and we might get into a little bit of that tonight uh, as the Bible teaches us that men were controlled and intimidated by their fear of death and we understand that today as well that we are uh, inordinately affected by our fear of death they're just there's just a reality. We just know that there is uh, a possibility. There is a possibility that uh, someone could die. And it's a terrible feeling to have. Uh, it's, a, it's just an awful reality. But it is the world in which we live. And, uh, and so we want to describe and, and, and deal with that and, and focus primarily on the fact that Jesus Christ gives victory over death over hell and over the grave hallelujah and so we don't need to be afraid we don't need to have fear in our lives and yet the scripture uh, describes a good fear and it describes a bad fear uh, and and we talked about the good fear last week and uh, I want to just quickly maybe go over that uh, again with you because this matter of of uh I'll say a good fear is a fear that is a fear of the Lord. A fear of the Lord is a very healthy thing. Now, we look at the scriptures and we, we, we went over them one by one. And there are several more we could talk about. But, but we brought a sufficient, I think, amount of scriptures into the picture to show the benefits that come from fearing the Lord. And those benefits include... Uh, prolonging days, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days. 
The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. The fear of the Lord uh, causes men to depart from evil. Uh, we talked about the fact that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, we talked about the fact that whoever hath the fear of the Lord abides satisfied. And so, so what we get when we look at the scriptures, and primarily in the books of the poetry, the books of poetry, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, they deal uh, strongly with the subject of the fear of God. Some people are confused by that. They, they think, well, am I to fear God or am I to love God? Am I to, is, is, is God a God that I should fear or a God that I should take comfort in? Well, both, but it's important that you understand the context, understand how to rightly divide the word of truth. And so, so what we get in this picture of the scriptures describing the fear of God is that, that the fear of God is the beginning. Everybody say the beginning. It is the beginning of wisdom. So it is wisdom in its infant state. It is wisdom in its embryonic state. The fear of the Lord is when wisdom starts. The fear of the Lord is not when wisdom has fully developed. Okay, it is the beginning of wisdom. The Bible emphasizes that point over and over throughout the scriptures. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So the fear of the Lord is how wisdom begins. Wisdom is a lifelong journey. And how many are still on it? Okay, thank the Lord. Don't get off the track of that. Stay on that path. So the, the matter of wisdom, the matter of wisdom truly manifesting itself into your life is not, doesn't happen overnight. You don't go to college and then come out with this impeccable amount of wisdom to where you will not make a mistake or have a lapse in judgment or, or, or come to a point at which you don't know what to do. There are going to be times throughout your life where you are going to have to confess, I don't know what to do. Things are, things are challenging. Things are posing themselves as problems and I do not know what to do. It doesn't mean you don't have wisdom, but it does mean that you may need to, to, to call upon the Lord and let him give you a word of wisdom. Let him give you the wisdom for that moment, the wisdom that you may employ for one set of circumstances. It might be better applied in a different way for these circumstances and, and so forth. So wisdom is what helps us to know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and it's a gift from the Lord, and it is established. The Bible talks about wisdom hath hewn out her seven pillars. There are pillars upon which wisdom stands. Wisdom isn't just a, an epiphany you get one day. Wisdom is a way that life is built and the way that, that uh, your life is established. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of it. <clears throat> and so... So we have to understand that about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you have not yet learned how to fear the Lord, then, then I'll be praying for you. Because you're going to come to a place where you have to fear the Lord. 
Wisdom hasn't started growing in you until you begin to fear the Lord. Until you begin to realize, and at some point in your life, you're going to have to realize he has all power and you don't. You're going to have to realize that he has all authority and you don't. At some point in your life, I don't know, I don't know through what experience, you're going to have to learn that. But, but, but God will, and he, if we are submitted to him, if we want to serve him, God will allow circumstances in our life that strips our arrogance from us. And when he strips our arrogance from us, with it goes our ignorance. And, and, and we begin to, to understand, wow, this whole idea of me having self-sufficiency has been a false sense of security. I don't have self-sufficiency. My breath comes from him. I don't have I don't have all the answers and I could walk out of here tonight and not wake up tomorrow morning. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, we have to understand that he's God, we're not. He's sovereign, we're not. He's omnipotent, we're not. He has the power of the world in his hands. All power in heaven and in earth is given unto him. He is God and he's God all by himself. He's God whether I serve him or not. He's God whether I confess him or not. He's God whether I acknowledge him, whether I worship him. He's going to be God regardless of who validates that. He is self-validated. He is self-sufficient. And you and I will come to a point at which we come to an understanding of his greatness. And when you come in contact with his raw greatness... You will fear him at first. It's the beginning of wisdom. And he will cause that fear of the Lord to be in you until you depart from evil. And you will literally depart from evil sometimes, not because your flesh doesn't want to engage in the evil, but sometimes because you fear the Lord. So, so you literally will be in a position where your flesh is saying, I want to do, you fill in the blanks, but the fear of the Lord is pulling on you saying, but God is great and greatly to be praised and greatly to be feared. And this that my flesh wants to do is against the nature of God and the law of God and the precepts and the principles of God. And so, so God will use, in our ignorance, God will allow his greatness to be the thing that prevents us from doing evil. Okay, so why would God do that? Because you and I don't have a clue how poisonous evil is. Don't act like you would have done something different if it had been you and not Eve. You'd have been, you'd have been taking that apple, putting caramel on it, peanuts, and a little salt on it, and walking around Kings Island eating a candy apple and not even realizing what you're doing. It's, it's, it, it, we, we would be deceived like she was deceived and, and many would disobey like Adam disobeyed. And so, so evil has got such toxicity. It is so against the nature of God. It is so against the law of God. And the only thing that is true is God. 
Nothing is true except God. Ah, Lord, have mercy. That's why heaven and earth shall pass away, but his words shall not pass away. Why? Because his words are true and nothing else is true. And so anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God will burn in the lake of fire. The false prophet, burn in the lake of fire. Antichrist, burn in the lake of fire. The beast, Antichrist, burn in the lake of fire. Hell, lake of fire. Death, lake of fire. Great, lake of fire. All whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, lake of fire. Anything that, anything that defies God and, and seeks to, to, to move outside of his presence and be self-sufficient will be destroyed because it is not possible to do anything outside of God. In him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. And so this world is in a slowly but surely position of dying. Okay, and that's why, that's why the Lord will do anything to keep us from doing evil. And so he will allow even his greatness to be so prominently positioned in our minds so that we will think twice before we do something that will bring evil into the world. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about overcoming death, but let's, let's talk for a moment of why we even have to talk about overcoming death. Do you know why death is even a part of our world? That horrible, terrible, ungodly thing called death. We're so used to it that we're just, well, it's a part of life. Death is as natural to life as birth is. It shouldn't be. It's not supposed to be. It is because of evil. It is because of sin. Sin came into the world and death by sin. So we welcome sin into the world. And when we welcomed sin into the world, sin came walking into the house and we didn't know, but sin had death in its duffel bag. We, we didn't want death, we wanted sin. We just want the, we want the pleasures of sin. That's what we want, the pleasures of sin. And, and, and so we welcome, come on sin, come on in, make yourself at home, can I get you some cookies and milk? And sin's all stretched out and sitting in our recliner and and, and we're making sin right at home, and little do we know, but sin brought death in its duffel bag, and death is going to destroy your life. And God doesn't care whether you like it or not. He's going to do all that he can to prevent you from stepping back into evil, back into sin, because death comes by way of sin. Sin is never worth it, folks. Sin is never worth it. So the fear of the Lord... It helps people depart from evil. The fear of the Lord, it helps people to, to, uh, to prolong their days. The fear of the Lord, if you'll fear the Lord, if you will understand he has all power, he has all greatness, then, then you, you quite literally will have a better chance at living a long and happy life with peace and with contentment and satisfaction, all because in the back of your mind was but God is holy and this is unholy. God has all power. Something bad will happen if I do this. That's why the Bible even said, saving some with fear and pulling them out of the fire. God will do that. But, but 
but the scripture then says, there is no fear in love. Because per- perfect love casteth out fear. Let's go there, 1 John chapter 4. Now, I talked last week about the fact that, that when we, fear is a little bit like faith, in that when we place it in the things of this world, it has torment. But when we place it in God, it brings peace. It's amazing how that works. So if you're going to fear cancer, you'll be tormented by that fear. If you're going to fear your own mortality, you'll be tormented by that fear. If you fear what man can do unto you, you'll be tormented by that fear. But if you will fear the Lord It will cause you to live your life in such a way that peace will come into your life. Because the fear of the Lord is preventing you from from veering off the path of righteousness. I'm not going to veer off no path of righteousness because this is where the Lord is and that's where I'm going to be. He has all power in heaven and in earth. So the fear of the Lord, when you you place, this is what I want to point out. It's the same fear. We want to say, well, there are two different fears. Mm -mm. It's the same feeling. It's the same same feeling. Now, there is a spirit of fear. And what that means is that there is a spirit. It's a spirit of timidity. It's a spirit of intimidation. So when the Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear, it's referring to intimidation. God has not given us the spirit of timidity. He has not given us... The spirit of intimidation, that spirit that comes to you and says, don't do anything for God, you can't. You're not worth it. Let me remind you of who you are. Let me remind you of your past. That's the spirit of intimidation. That doesn't come from God. I love what Brother Jeff Arnold said when he talked about the difference between condemnation and conviction. He said condemnation, you can always tell when it's condemnation or when it's conviction because he said dealing with your sin, dealing with your, the thing you've done wrong. Condemnation will take you to what you did wrong. Conviction will take you to Jesus. Isn't that good? Amen. And, and, and so, so when some kind of an intimidating spirit rises up against you, that's not of God, that doesn't come from God. But when the Bible talks... About, about fearing the Lord and about, about the fear of death, These, this, this feeling of fear, it is the same word. And so it matters, where am I going to put this emotion? And it means to morally revere. So when I am fearing, we'll go back to the big C word, when I'm fearing cancer, I'm morally revering cancer. When I'm fearing uh, what man can do unto me, I'm morally revering what man can do unto me. When I am fearing what tomorrow holds, I'm morally revering what tomorrow holds. If that's the kind of moral reverence I'm entertaining and the kind of fear that I am entertaining, then I'm going to live tormented. But if instead of doing that, I say I'm only going to fear the Lord because he has power cancer doesn't have. He has power the future doesn't have. He has power that man doesn't have. So I'm not going to morally revere those things. I'm going to morally revere him. Now I don't live in torment. I live in peace. 
Because I'm putting my fear into somebody who is worthy of receiving every feeling, every emotion that I have. So, so when David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesakes. He, 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 he restoreth my soul and, and uh, leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. And he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He was saying, I will not morally revere evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Hallelujah. My cup runneth over. Hallelujah. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, we have a moral reverence for the awesome power of God, and it will prevent us from entering into this matter of sin. It will it will. It will create a check in our spirit. Don't go there. Don't do that. And yet 1 John, we're we're reading this 1 John chapter 4. And I want to read, I want to read uh, to you this amazing verse of scripture, verse 18. This man knows all about love. He's the love man. I mean, you know, nobody knew love like John knows love. And he wasn't, he wasn't. He didn't have to be the doctor of love. He, he, uh, he saw real love on display at the cross of Jesus Christ. He saw the blood. He saw the sweat. He saw the tears. He saw what he didn't have to do, but he did. He, saw, he, he, he heard him say in the face of that persecution, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now that's huge because you know what our kind of forgiveness is. We're saying, Father, wear them out for what they're doing to me. I'm not going to hold anything against you, but man, God, just let them have it. And, And that's our kind of forgiveness. But what Jesus was saying was, I do not want this to appear on their record when they are found judged. I don't want it to be a part of their record. Please do not punish them for what they are doing to me. Wipe this from their record. That's an amazing demonstration of forgiveness. And I will go as far as to say that the greatest, uh, the greatest revelation of God's love is when we forgive others. When we forgive people, including forgiving ourselves. When we, when we forgive, then we are experiencing the love of God in such a deep and abiding way. Uh, and, and John saw it, and he experienced it, so he talked about it. He, he couldn't stop talking about it. He's, he's the one who recorded the words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He's the one who recorded the words, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. He's the one who said God is love. He's the one who, who, who talked uh, about the fact that we love him because he first loved us. But notice what he said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Because he's going to talk something, he's going to talk about something here that we in our natural mind don't know anything about. He's going to talk about perfect love. And notice what he says about perfect love. He says, There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out. Fear, 
because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. There is a love so perfect that when it is perfected in us, the result of it being perfected in us looks like this. Loving the Lord with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. That's what it looks like. Everything. My whole being is loving God. And folks, I don't know if any of us are there at this point. I don't know. I can't see your heart. I, I wish that we could, you know, be able to, to take a look at the invisible parts of us and check it every morning to make sure our levels are up. Uh-oh, I'm 37% down and loving him with all my soul. All right, let's plug it into the charger and go to sleep. We'll be charged good for tomorrow morning and everything will be fine. Uh-oh, I'm 8% down and loving him with all my mind. Doesn't work like that. Only God knows the heart. Only God knows the soul and the, the strength and the mind. So I, I, I'm trusting him. I don't, know, I don't know if I'm there. I want to be, and I'm trying to be, and, 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 I, and, I, and I'm wanting to resist the devil that he'll flee from me, submit myself to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from me. And I, and I want to walk the narrow way, and I want to stay on the straight path, but, but, but in the end, only God is the judge of how much I love the Lord. And so when the Bible says that there is no fear in love, I want you to understand that, that there is a love so perfect and so perfecting that when it enters you and perfects you, then it is no longer the fear of God that motivates you to depart from evil, but the love for God that motivates you to depart from evil. It actually brings you to a place where you are saying, I'm not going to do evil, not because I fear the anger of God, but because I love him. What happened? Perfect love came in and tapped fear on the shoulder and said, you have done your job. I, I will replace you now. Now, if you start, if you start falling back and, and, and dealing, then God's going to have to bring fear back into the picture. You need to fear me again because you have... You have not been made perfect in love. But when love is perfected in us, the picture of love being perfected in us is when we are departing from evil because of our love for God and not because of our fear of God. So let me give you another scripture. The great love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and this, of course, this amazing chapter. I'm just going to read it because it's, it's great to read and to be reminded. Uh, real quick, let's just read this and look at how far from this we are. Can we be honest and just look at it? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, 
And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. Now, I just want to know, who is he describing there? Who of us can say, oh, I got verse 1 down and verse 2. Yep, I, I, I understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Yep, check that box. Got all faith that I could remove mountains. He said, I, if I had all of that and didn't have love, I'm nothing. He didn't say, I'm only a little bit or I'm, I'm halfway there. I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, my goodness, I, 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 I'm trying to understand who among us can say that we have bestowed all of our all, all, all of our goods to feed the poor. He said it's possible to do that and not have love. What, what love is he talking about? Because he's certainly not talking about human love. Because human love, human love is doing good to, to give a little bit here and there to feed the poor. He said he could bestow all his goods to feed the poor and not have love. So what love is he talking about? Perfect love. This charity of 1 Corinthians 13 is perfect love. It's the agape love. It's the love of God. Oh, hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you when we saw perfect love as a person, we saw perfect love as a person in Jesus Christ. Because before perfect love is a feeling that you have, perfect love is a person who walked this earth. Before perfect love is the motivator of all that is good in you, perfect love is a person who walked this earth. Perfect love is Jesus the Christ, hallelujah, the son of the living God, the father in flesh. That's perfect love. Jesus is perfect love. He didn't have to do what he did, but he did do what he did. Why? Because of his great love wherewith he loved us. He didn't do it to save his reputation. And as a matter of fact, he made himself of no reputation. He loved us with great love. So Paul said, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned. Can I see a show of hands of those who have given their bodies to be burned? He said, it's possible to do these things and not have love. And if I did these things without love, it profits me, profits me nothing. Then he goes on to describe love. This is where it gets convicting to us, where it begins to correct the way that we love. Charity suffers long. How long? doesn't say how long. It just says long. So, so perfect love is actually capable of suffering for an indefinite period of time. Human love says, I've suffered long enough with you. I've put up with you long enough. That's human love. Perfect love says, love suffers long. Dot, dot, dot. That's perfect love. And perfect love is kind. You know, I, let's take that word kind really quick. Because, you know, the first time we talked about Sunday, the law first mentioned, the first time we see the word kind is in the book of Genesis. When, when the Bible says that, that, the, that the fish brought forth after their kind, it refers to, to children, it refers to family. It's where we get the word kinship, K-I-N. 
In kind is K-I-N in kinship. It's, it's K-I-N in kinsman redeemer. So when it says love is kind, it means treating someone like family. That's why the apostle Paul didn't say be ye nice one to another. Because it's easy to be nice. You go to a you go to a family reunion and you got to see cousin so and so who gets on your nerves. Brethren and you're walking in and you're 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 just you're reverting back to the first day of, you know, school and and your wife has to look at you and say, "Now be what? Nice." So what do you do? You you just mm. you put on a forced smile and you go through the motions and you shake hands and you pat backs and then you walk out and you feel drained because why? You were, you were being nice. Being kind is different. Treating someone with kindness is treating them like family. And so how do you do that? How do you, how do you treat someone like family? I'll tell you how you treat somebody like family. You treat them the way you would want your children to be treated. Somebody makes a mistake. Somebody goes, goes and, and does something that, that they regret. And, and now you have a choice. How am I going to treat them? How, how will I treat them? The Lord says treat them with kindness. What does he mean? Treat them the way you would want everybody to treat your child if it was your child who did what they did. Treat them with kindness. Treat them as kin. Hallelujah. That's how the church is united. We treat one another as kin because we are. In the family of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So that's what the perfect love of God is. It is kind. The perfect love of God envies not. The perfect love of God vaunts not itself. It is not puffed up. The perfect love of God does not behave itself unseemly. Well, why are you talking about this, Pastor? Because we're, we're trying to overcome fear. This is the thing that casts fear out. When you're, when you're not busy envying then you don't fear whether you get that or not. When you're not busy puffing yourself up, then you're not afraid of being a has-been. You know, somebody said they're afraid they'll be a has-been. When you realize that it's never been about you, then you, you, you can't be a has-been because you, it, you, it never was about you or me. So we're not fearful of, of being a has-been or living beyond our purpose. No, no, no. I don't, those, see, the love of God casts out those human fears. And so what do we do? We do not behave ourselves unseemly. My goodness, the whole world needs this. And we do not seek our own. We, we, we're not always looking out for number one. How many know who number one is? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is number one. Yeah. Amen. I'm looking out for number one. Oh, you're a worshiper too? He's number one. That's who I'm looking out for. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all this other stuff shall be added unto you. Oh, hallelujah. 
Notice what that does. When the perfect love of God gets in you, you're not seeking your own. You're seeking him, seeking him, seeking him. And, And so because you're seeking him, all of these things shall be added unto you. Why? For the Father knoweth that you have need of these things. You know what that just did? That took away my fear of where my next meal's gonna come from. It took away my fear of whether or not I'm gonna have clothes on my body. It took away my fear of whether or not I'm gonna have shelter overhead because I'm gonna seek first the kingdom of the Lord and his righteousness and he will take care of everything that I need. I do not have to fear. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want My Lord have mercy. My Lord have mercy. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And notice what it says. Rejoiceth. It does not, it's not easily provoked. The perfect love of God is not easily provoked. Now, now, Now that's something we have a tough time with. I mean, somebody can, somebody can just say the wrong thing. And we're ready to throw down let's take this outside (laughs) even we don't want to do it physically we'll do it verbally right here right now however you like it and the bible says that the perfect love of god is not easily provoked it just isn't easily provoked and he goes on to say that the perfect love of god thinketh no evil Hear no evil, see no evil, nothing. Think no evil. Don't let it cross your mind. What did you hear about so-and-so, what they did, what they said, where they've been? I saw them. They were coming out the other. Forget that. Think no evil. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are of a good report, whatsoever things are just, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise. You know what that means? That means when I get a report that I can't help but receive, somebody just throws a report my way and it's got all this negativity in it, I, I, I've got to search out the praise in it. And that's what I'm going to dwell on. You can have all the other junk. I don't need that. I'm going to think about the praise. I'm going to think on the virtue. Think on these things. The perfect love of God does not think any evil it does not rejoice in iniquity it rejoices in the truth what is the truth his word is truth sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth that's truth the perfect love of God bears all things that means you don't have to bear it he'll bear it for you and give you the strength to bear up under it the perfect love of God believes all things. The perfect love of God hopes all things. That means that you never lose hope and you never lose faith. And the perfect love of God endures all things. Love never fails. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, It shall vanish away. This is actually now referring to when we are perfected in Christ and and when we are in his presence. So listen, listen to this. Whether there be prophecies, you know we're not going to need prophecy 
in that kingdom, we're not going to need it. We got it now. We've got tongues now, but we don't need it there. Because, because it, the, the, the tongues, prophecies, the gifts of the Spirit, that, that's to help us now. We won't need it over there. So, so we, don't, we won't even use it. So, so prophecies, they're going to fail. Tongues are going to cease. And whether there be knowledge, there's going to be some knowledge vanish away from us. There are going to be some things. The, the Bible says that the Lord is going to take that pain and it will be remembered no more. We see that God actually employs this when he no longer remembers our transgressions. There's going to be some stuff you don't even remember because the blood of Jesus so thoroughly scraped it from your spirit. Hallelujah. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For now, he comes to talking about now. For now we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, that's perfect love. When that, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. See, the, 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 the activities and interactions of the kingdom will all be love-based. It will all be love-based. See, see you, can, you, can just, you can just forget to turn your turn signal on, and somebody's easily provoked in 2017. I, I mean, it, it, that, that's, that's, that's grounds for a, an all-out brawl right there. Because you forgot to turn your turn signal. It didn't affect them any, but they're going to glare at you, honk at you, a couple of other things in your direction. And you are, and you are realizing that you have provoked them. Not going to be that way in the kingdom. Hallelujah. The interactions of the kingdom are all going to be love. Oh, hallelujah. Perfect love. Gonna, nobody's going to be easily provoked in the kingdom of God. Nobody's going to have trouble enduring and, and, and nobody's going to have trouble hoping and, and believing and nobody's going to have trouble. This is the perfect love of God. When that which is perfect is come, the perfect love of God is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Hallelujah. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of our wisdom it is the beginning of our understanding it is the beginning of our knowledge but the fulfillment of our wisdom and the fulfillment of our understanding and the completion of our knowledge is the perfect love of God and so right now I depend on fearing the Lord to keep me from certain things but when that which is perfect is come then I look upon the Lord completely differently and I realize that there is nothing to be afraid of because I love him with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul, and with all of my strength. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You're already experiencing it. You're already feeling it. It's already perfecting you. Now, we're not quite where we're going to be. You know, he goes on to say, uh, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. That's right now. That's us right now. That's, that, that's actually, I believe 
because it's situated between 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which deal with the body of Christ and with the gifts of the Spirit, I believe that speaking, thinking, and understanding is a reference to the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. We think as children, we speak as children, we understand as children, but when I become a man, I put away childish things. And so no longer do I need anything that is childish. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Now abideth faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these three is love. The agape love of God. Hallelujah. So, so right now, I see through a glass darkly. There's some stuff I don't understand. There's some things you don't understand. There's some things people come to us and, and ask us, why this, why that? And we look through the glass darkly and come back and say, I don't, I don't altogether understand it. But what I do know is I can fall back on fearing the Lord. I can fall back on knowing that he has all power. That he is great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. That he knows all things. That he sees all things. That he has a plan in place and a plan in mind. That's what what I'm leaning on when I see through a glass darkly. But there's coming a day when I will be translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Hallelujah. And I will come to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. I'll become a man and I'll put away childish things and I'll be motivated only and thoroughly and completely by the love of God. That's why love is the greatest of faith, hope, and love. There's faith and there's hope. Now, he, made, he made, took pains to say, now abideth faith. Now abideth hope. Now abideth love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. You want to know why? Because when we get into that holy city, we won't need faith and we won't need hope. We'll only need love. Let let, let me explain why. Now, now, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. When we get there, there won't be anything not seen. Now I need the evidence of things not seen, which is why I have faith. There, there won't be anything not seen. I will, listen, he said, when, we, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but when he shall appear. Hallelujah. See, so, so they're not going to be anything not seen. You know, you know what? It, we're going to see him in all of his fullness. This is why everything in the new Jerusalem is clear as crystal, transparent like glass. The walls are transparent. The river is transparent. The streets are pure. pure. It says pure gold, but it says clear as crystal. You look at the scriptures. Everything it talks about is clear as glass and transparent like glass. Everything is clear and transparent. 
Because when you look at it, you're not supposed to see gold. You're not supposed to see jasper. You're supposed to see the Lamb of God. And everywhere you look in that city, you're going to see through it to the Lamb. Hey, this is why when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Not, 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 not earthly gold. Earthly gold has a, has a tint to it. The purest gold you and I have ever experienced, where there's not even the slightest tint, it is actually so untainted that it is transparent. So, so he said that the trials of my faith are actually purifying me like gold tried in the fire. And, 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 and when you look at Joel Urshan, you, there's so many layers of, oh my word, it's just layer after layer. We call them issues. It's just issue after issue, layer after layer. And, and there's so much of me, there's so much of Joel, but, but, but it'll take me through a trial by fire and it hurts and it's, it's not fun and it's, it's, it's uncomfortable and it's inconvenient. But when he hath tried me, I come forth and he stripped something off of me that needed to come off. And then I live a little bit, get a breather, and then, uh-oh, here we go again. Oh, no, we're going through another trial by fire. This is why it comes in cycles. And you're like, oh, man, is this ever going to stop? No. It's not going to stop till you see him as he is. And you just go through that trial by fire, and he's going to strip strip something else off of you and you come out and he's removed another layer of Joel and he's removed another layer of Joel he's going to keep doing that until he has removed all the layers and when you look at me you don't see me you see him The old song says, I got a long way to go to be like my Lord. And that's where we are. We got a long way to go. We got a lot more to go through. But when it's in the end, he's going to have stripped us so thoroughly of everything that is us. Everything that is fleshly. Everything that is worldly. Everything that is carnal. And people will look upon us. And they'll see Jesus. They'll see right through you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. So he, he actually removes that, 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 that fear that has torment. See, the fear that we have in the things of this world. The fear that we have in the things of this life. And, and when we place our fear in the things of this world... It has torment. And perfect love casts out fear. Hallelujah. And we end up able to say that God has delivered us. He has not given us the spirit of bondage again to fear. Hallelujah. But he gave us the spirit of adoption. Now folks, let me tell you what happens here. Because when you first started out with God, how many had an experience in your life where you realized, oh my goodness, I'm totally and utterly and completely dependent on the mercy of God? How many remember that moment? How many remember when God, God could have killed you but he spared you? Remember that moment? Remember when God could have just dropped you? You, you know it, it's only his hand that keeps us from falling into a devil's hell. Do you know that? 
You do realize that that's, that's the beginning of your wisdom. That was the way your walk with God started out, was understanding that, oh, oh God, oh God, this is why I worship you, because you are my only hope. Hallelujah. But he is taking you on a journey of wisdom until, hallelujah, he perfects you in love. Notice what the apostle said. The apostle said that he is perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. This journey of wisdom is a journey of perfecting holiness in you, perfecting love in you. And when you arrive at that point, folks, he has not given you the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba. I mean, when my relationship started out with him, it started out with, oh, oh. But he's taken me on this journey, and he's bringing me to a perfect, a perfected place where I have departed from evil, where I have, where I have, I have walked away from sin. I don't want anything to do with it. I hate evil. I hate sin. And it's not because I'm scared of him, but it's because now I cry, Abba. He's perfecting love in me. He's perfecting holiness. Hallelujah. And perfect love, perfect love. When, when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part is done away. And perfect love literally replaces fear. I have no need for fear. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Can we love the Lord right now? Can we just do, I want you to open up your mouth and just say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Just tell him, I love you, Jesus. Come on, all across this building, go ahead and tell him. Hallelujah. You know what? We're supposed to love him with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our soul, all of our strength. And I know that, that, that none of us know exactly whether we're there or not, but I want you to just open up your mouth and confess with your mouth, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Come on, go ahead and cry out, Abba, Father. Come on, that's it. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. God has taken you to a place in him where you're going to serve him and live for him. Hallelujah. And it won't be out of fear, but it'll be out of love. Glory to God. The charity of God will be perfected in you. The holiness of God will be perfected in you. Oh, bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. Hallelujah. I want somebody that's going through a trial by fire right now just to lift your hands to the Lord who is great, to the Lord who is holy. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> Come on, let's fill this house with praise. Let's fill this house with praise unto the Lord. Glory to his name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, all across this building, let's just lift up praise unto the Lord. Woo, glory to your name, Lord. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory to your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Just want to tell you, yes. I love you more than anything. Come on, can you love him right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. 
I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you, Lord, I love you more than anything. Yes, Lord, I love you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, I worship and adore you. Yes, just want to tell you. 